Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. If you are a longtime listener to the Integrative Thoughts podcast, you know how often I stress the importance of detoxification. I believe that heavy metals such as mercury and aluminum, along with environmental pollutants like mold, plastics, and pesticides, are at the root cause of every dysfunction and chronic illness in the modern era. That's why I recommend ZeoCharge. ZeoCharge is 100% natural zeolite that does not contain any fillers, binders, or additives. ZeoCharge has not been shown to bind to any of your beneficial minerals or other nutrients. I take two tablespoons of ZeoCharge with filtered water every single day about an hour after breakfast. It is my go-to for detoxification support that I believe can assist any and every healing protocol on the market. If you would like to try out ZeoCharge, go to the link in my show notes and use code ITP for 10% off your entire order. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Buy Optimizers and use code INTEGRATIVETHOUGHTS10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product, Mag Breakthrough. Today's show is also brought to you by Valence Nutraceuticals. Yes, this is the supplement company that I started with a few partners. Absolutely having an amazing time with it. Can't wait to bring some of the most superior mineral and vitamin supplements on the market to you. One product that I want to highlight today is Zinc Matrix Pro. Now, this is a zinc blend with five of our favorite forms in there. We have zinc carnosine in there, zinc orotate, zinc methionine sulfate, zinc picolinate, and also zinc glycinate. Now, this is going to have superior bioavailability and works systemically throughout the body. When we're reading hair tissue mineral analysis charts, one of the most common deficiencies that we see, or maybe the most common, is a zinc deficiency. People need so much zinc in order to detoxify nowadays and to balance out the body. So if you want to try out our Zinc Matrix Pro or any of our other products over at Valence Nutraceuticals, click the link in the show notes and use code ITP20 and that'll get you 20% off your first order. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I have struggled with mold toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, chronic infections such as Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, and even Babesia. After spending about $100,000 on functional labs, protocols, fringe supplements, coffee enemas, and even biohacking devices, I finally found mineral balancing. 
This has been the most effective protocol that I have found to address chronic issues. This is a specific program using hair tissue mineral analysis in order to reverse engineer the entire mineral system all at once and detoxify the body of hidden infections, mold, and heavy metals. If you would like to schedule a consultation with me to design you a program, I have officially opened my books to take on mineral balancing clients. Click the link in the show notes under work with me to find out more. Today's guest is Dr. Jen Haley, and she's been a board-certified dermatologist since 2004 with tons of clinical experience, but I love when these doctors kind of cross over into what we call like the biohacking sphere, right, where they're using red light panels and saunas and working out and regulating blood sugar, all the things that they didn't learn in medical school. It just shows that they're able to adapt and evolve with the science as it comes out. So we're going to talk about really what is the importance and the function of the skin itself. We get into that. We talk about vitamin D and also the importance of sunscreen. She thinks that the sun can really age you. She's seen that a lot in her practice. But then we also get into like diet toxins and the role of seed oils and how that impacts how you can even handle the sun. So we really dive into all about diets and how that's personalized for you. And then we talk about different supplementation, right? She likes fish oil. She likes collagen, all these things that promote skin healing. And then we even talk about the gut brain skin connection. So if you're a fan of the skin, you're really going to enjoy this show with Dr. Jen Haley. Jen, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Great. Thanks for having me, Matthew. So excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't, I don't think I've done, you know, I have lots of different um, health people. They talk about light and, you know, skin and different things, but never had an actual dermatologist who's really deep in the weeds about, you know, skin health and all things around being, and being a real dermatologist at that, you know. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you kind of evolved over time, I would imagine, to get into like this more like natural and non-toxic and looking at internal, you know, you know, systems instead of just looking at the skin. So how did you get to where you're at? Absolutely. So I went to Cornell University undergrad and I studied nutrition. I've always been very into fitness and nutrition and what we now call biohacking, you know, trying to get that edge, trying to figure out what, what we can do in our environment to have an edge on athletic performance or nutrition or just being your healthiest self. And then I ended up going to medical school. I was trained like there's five jobs in the world, you know, police officer, teacher, nurse, doctor. <laughs> I didn't really have, you know, much of an education as far as the multitude of options that we have nowadays. I mean, we live in this world of creative possibilities. We can create a job that we want that doesn't actually exist. You know, we can create anything we want, which is pretty amazing. And I went to medical school. I, I loved it. I, I had the belief that if I learned every single thing that I was taught in medical school, then I would be able to help everyone. And I, that's just my nature. I'm a nurturer. I want to help people. Um, and I just thought if I learned everything, I would help everyone. And I studied really hard and got top 1% in the country on all my testing, did dermatology. I love the fact that I thought dermatology wasn't a real specialty when I was in medical school. I thought it wasn't academic enough. And by happenstance, I had to spend a day there on another uh, rotation one day. But most people who go to medical school don't do any dermatology whatsoever. So I spent one day there and I was just amazed. My jaw dropped because I couldn't believe that you can literally look at the skin and diagnose internal conditions without being invasive and doing testing on people. The skin is a clue to what was going on inside the body. So that's how I fell in love with dermatology. 
And once again, I studied all the diseases of dermatology. And I thought if I was really good at treating the diseases, then I would be a great dermatologist. And I've been board certified for 20 years now. So after 24 years of uh, all the training, then you do a board certification. And I've been practicing for 20 years now. And I, I do pattern recognition for a living, right? So dermatology is just looking at patterns and recognizing patterns of different diseases. And I also saw patterns in my patients. I'd have patients come back from Christmas vacation who had clear acne before they left. And they'd say, I ate all this food and now I'm breaking out. And I understand that when you take medicine, we take it by our mouth. If you go to the doctor and they're giving you a pill to treat something, we're taking it by the mouth. And I'm, I'm thinking, I was told that food doesn't play a role in acne. Clearly it does. I'm seeing it. I'm listening to my patients. Why would only medicine work by mouth and food wouldn't work by mouth? You know, why would the plastics, why would the pesticides, why would the, uh, the heavy metals, all of the other things that we come into contact with not affect us over time if medicine does by mouth. So I, I saw my own observations over time. You know, I, I had my own strategies with patients. And now we have scientific research showing that there are certain things that are linked in lifestyle with the health of the skin. Now, knowing that the skin is the largest visible organ of the body, it represents the health of all the other organs. So even David Sinclair will say that basically how young you look is correlated with your biological age as opposed to your chronological age. And we all want a younger biological age. So the skin represents what's going on inside the body. And we can definitely help with epigenetics where I was taught in medical school, oh, your genes are your destiny. That is not true. We have 80 to 90% control over how our genes show up and present in the world by the choices we make every day. Not in a neurotic way, not in an obsessive way, in a healthy, positive way, even down to our thoughts. So, so that's, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. I like how you get into, you know, definitely diet and lifestyle because I think, you know, most dermatologists, you know, they don't learn any of that. I would imagine it's similar to like regular Western medicine where you don't really learn much about nutrition and what goes into your body and how that can pertain to how you look. I mean, I can just say from experience, you know, I, I rarely party anymore or anything, but like if it is like the holidays or a family gathering when I'm back home and I, I know it is, or I go to a wedding and I, you know, I have them, them drinks for a cute few days and I'm not eating my normal diet. I will wake up and I'm like, I just look kind of like dry. Like I look kind of pale. Like it just ha within two days. And so, and I can look back at photos cause I used to be a big, you know, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I partied a lot in my twenties and um, like looking back at some of them photos, I'm like, I was so pale and just like my skin looked awful. And like now that I do, the sauna and I'm eating the grass fed meat and the high quality fats and, you know, not and avoiding the seed oils. Like you can just see the difference. It's, it's crazy, but most people aren't taught that, especially, you know, as dermatologists. So it's really cool. I want to get into the diet and lifestyle stuff in a little bit, but I thought maybe you could break down like what actually is the skin's function in the body? Like maybe like break down the layers of the skin and like what actually is the function of the skin? Like we just look at each other, we see skin. I don't think we pay too much attention to it. Like what is the actual function of the skin? Sure. I actually just did a podcast episode on my podcast 
uh, talking about Skin 101, so I can get as deep or as not deep as you want. But we'll we'll briefly mm-hmm. discuss. Basically, a good example is when somebody is a burn victim, right? They don't die from the burn. They die from dehydration, infection, electrolyte abnormalities. So our skin is this beautiful protective barrier that keeps our insides where it needs to be, you know, our fluids, our electrolytes, and prevents infections from coming in. So for example, my son is a wrestler and I was telling him yesterday, he was shaving and I said, make sure you use shaving cream, you know, and I use non-toxic ones, obviously, because if you get a nick on your skin, you're going to be predisposed to getting an infection. And that's what our skin does. When the barrier is maintained, when we have a good, healthy skin barrier, we are basically uh, preventing toxins from coming in our body, preventing infection from coming in our body and keeping the hydration in our body. Uh, So that's the basic role of the skin. Now we have different layers of the skin. We have our epidermis, which is what we're looking at right now. The epidermis is the top layer of the skin. And the very, very top layer of the skin doesn't have any nuclei. There's no nuclei in the cells. It's it's dead because there's no nuclei. So when you wipe your skin, basically like thousands of cells are coming off all day long, all over the place, which is why you should wash your towels. So, <laughs> um, but but under the, underneath the epidermis is your dermis, and that's where your collagen, that's where your hyaluronic acid, your gags or your glycosaminoglycans, and your elastic tissue resides. That gives your skin the resiliency and the bounce. The epidermis is where your skin color comes from, from your melanocytes in the skin cells. So that's what will, you know, make you tanner or less tan. That's what allows you to have darker skin or lighter skin, depending on your ethnicity. And then below that's the fat. So, and then your muscle below that. That's like the basics of skin. And as far as what skin does, we can go as deep as you want. I just want to respect your time. Yeah. No, that's all good. I just wanted a quick overview for people and... How important is it to like pay attention to the actual products that we're putting on our skin? Like how easily are those absorbed? Yeah, they're not easily absorbed. So it's Mm. really more about the surface area. Everything is about the surface area, whether we're talking about UV exposure. And I, I get a lot on the UV exposure. So because I'm a dermatologist and I've seen people who have been exposed to the sun over decades, 40, 50 years. I used to work in Western Colorado with a lot of ranchers who were out all the time. When they take their shirt off, their arms, their neck, and their face basically look like rotisserie chicken skin. It looked like skin that was cooked. I mean, there's no other way to explain that. So chronic sun exposure over time to what I call the high real estate areas, the areas of the body that show our age, like the face, the neck, the chest, and the back of the hands, those areas should be protected from the sun on a regular basis. Because 10 minutes of sun a day to those areas, even 10 minutes, which anyone gets, ends up being 50, 60 hours per year. No one would go to the beach for 60 hours. But now we're talking about vitamin D, which we have big deficiencies in vitamin D. And deficiency in vitamin D, we know, is going to affect everything from your risk of colon cancer to your brain health, your mood, and your bone health. And if your bones are unhealthy, now you're not even going to have good structure in your face, right? So you look older over time. So I do recommend to my patients, obviously not on the podcast to just random people listening, but I do recommend uh, 10 to 15 minutes of sun exposure to the larger surface areas of the body, like the chest, the back, the legs, 
three times a week for 10 to 15 minutes for vitamin D production. More if you're darker skin, more if you're further from the equator. But someone like me living in Arizona with pretty fair skin, I'm half Spanish, but my skin's pretty fair. That's enough for me to produce sufficient vitamin D. At the end of the day, you really need to get measured because you don't convert vitamin D from the sun or absorb it as well as you get older. So you really have to monitor the levels and, and adjust accordingly. Now, when it comes to putting products on your skin, products with like parabens or some toxins like endocrine disruptors, which are really big problems. If you're using something on your face for wrinkles, it's not going to be a problem. If you're rubbing cream all over your body, spraying perfume, cologne, these are problems. These are serious endocrine disruptors, even nail polish. So your skin doesn't absorb well, but when you're applying it over a large surface area, you're getting enough to cause an issue. And it's an accumulation of toxins, right? Because we're not just using one thing. We're using 30, 40 things a day that we don't even realize from deodorant to lotion to, um, you know, cologne and things like that. So start thinking about what you're using and minimize as much toxic exposure as possible because it's a cumulative effect. So like when we're younger, we were talking about drinking, right? When I was very proud in college, I could drink as much as I wanted and just go run stadiums <laughs> the next day and clear it out. I'm like, I'll just run stadiums, sweat it out. I'll be fine. I never got a hangover. Now you don't do that as you get older, your body, because these toxins accumulate in the body, your liver is constantly trying to clean them out. And now you bring in one more toxin and it's tapped out. It just accumulates over time. And the, the organs that efficiently want to clean out toxins are no longer able to because they're overwhelmed, they're overloaded. So that's how you have to think about less is less is better. Support your body to detoxify naturally and bring in as little toxins as possible. I'm so glad you said that. I, I, I broke this down for my wife at one point, you know, cause, um, as we got older, she, you know, we just want to try to party every once in a while, or we're out at a steak dinner and we're trying to have, you know, old fashions and wine or whatever. And, and I'm like, you have to realize that like, yeah, when we were younger, we didn't get the hangovers. Like the alcohol didn't change. It's, it's the accumulation of the toxins over time. And then the liver and the kidneys are no longer able to support the added alcohol because the other heavy metals and the exposures have just incrementally built up over time. And now they're overburdened. And that's what happened to me. I had heavy metal toxicity and Lyme and I was seeing all these doctors and, you know, it was just crazy. And it was like, if I had like a piece of bread and like one drink, I'd feel hungover for two days because my gut was so messed up. And, you know, I just, it was, it was down bad. And then now that I've uh, eliminated a lot of the heavy metals and stuff, if I go have two or three drinks when I'm out at a steak dinner once every few months, I'm pretty, you know, it's pretty fine, but I had to build that up over a few years to kind of get back. And I'm still detoxing metals here and there. Um, you know, so it's, it's not the alcohol. It's like our bodies start to slowly degrade. And I think that's where we see a lot. I kind of contribute the environmental toxins to a a lot of the stuff that we link to aging, I think, like sometimes when people are like, we slowly, you know, produce less melatonin over time. It's like, do, do we really, or do, are, are the toxins blocking our ability? Same thing with like NAD and all these other, the compounds that we're all taking because we think that natural aging is just decreasing them over time. I really believe that the toxin exposure is just so much more dramatic than it was 30 years ago that it's kind of blocking our abilities. And that's the reasons why 
people's bad genes are turned on back to the epigenetic stuff. So I really believe that the toxins, you remove a lot of these heavy metals since they're just so biodegradable and they're tough to get out of the system. Um, you'll start to notice that you'll, you'll detox the molds and the plastics a lot better. Um, just in general, if you can get your detox pathways working and that's why saunas are great. I like mineral balancing through uh, hair tissue, mineral analysis, obviously that's kind of my wheelhouse, but, um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. And, but I do want to go back to sun exposure because this is also something that I've came full circle on because I moved down to Florida from Michigan and you know, you know, you start reading like, you know, we used to think sun was bad and then now we're like, sun's great. So I used to just like be out there like all day. I'd be on my laptop out there. I'd be doing yoga in the backyard. I'm like, you know, more is better. And then now <laughs> I've kind of came back around to like, okay, well I have Northern European genetics. Like maybe I'm living by the equator. Maybe I can just do like 15, 20 minutes here and there. And, you know, obviously I like the importance of sunlight in the morning for circadian rhythm, but I've backed off on like being out there for hours unless I like literally go to the beach. So why don't we go into sun exposure and like, why is that damaging to do too much and how can you do too much? Gosh, you brought up so many other great points though. I mean, (laughs) for those, (laughs) I just want to address for those of you listening, like we have this, this concept of orthorexia where people are like so obsessed about what they're eating and and I've been there, you know, I've been at, at every extreme. I, I competed in NPC competitions. I've run marathons. I, I try to test my body out. And like, it's interesting because you don't want to be so hard because cortisol is your worst enemy, right? So if you're going to be stressing about what you're doing, you're kind of defeating the entire purpose. So less toxins is important, but, but it, realize it's not absolute and it's not permanent, right? So if you clean things up, you know, whether it's your gut, detox from the heavy metals, whatever you need to do, you can eventually, like Matthew, you just said, to your point, you can eventually bring back some of the other things in your life, like gluten or, or, or dairy in my case, which is very inflammatory once in a while, because your body will process it so much quicker when it's not overburdened with everything. So just know that everything's not absolute a hundred percent and also permanent, like we do have some latitude, but it's actually, you don't even want to have the alcohol. I don't once I stop, you know? And if I do, yeah, one old fashioned is okay. Like one old fashioned a month, that was enjoyable, but it's not mm-hmm. like I'm obsessing over it. So as far as sun exposure goes, um, definitely you want to go earlier in the day. So it really depends on where you live. And I've lived a lot of places I was in the Navy for 15 years. So I grew up in New York, trained in upstate New York. I had the worst seasonal affective disorder, horrible. And I'm sure I was vitamin D deficient. Light, certainly I wasn't using it in my favor as a college student, but I've lived from DC to Hawaii, to California, to the mountains, to Thailand. I've lived all over. So I've really seen how different environments can affect, can affect you. And for everyone listening, there's not a black and white rule here. It's really depends on your skin tone. So the darker your skin tone, African-Americans are very deficient in vitamin D, but they're also more predisposed to getting hyperpigmentation. So in my patients that are skin of color, when they get an acne spot, it leaves a dark spot afterwards that can be more scarring than the acne itself. So I still recommend sun protection, SPF 30 or higher, containing zinc oxide. And if you struggle with pigmentation, you want to look for a tinted sunscreen. 
A tinted sunscreen is going to have iron oxide. That's going to help with the blue lights coming off the computer, the overhead lights that can also contribute to hyperpigmentation or leaving dark spots. So I recommend that on the face and the neck and the chest and the back of the hands. Now, I do like getting sun exposure if you're hiking, if you just want to be out in the sun to your chest and your back three times a week for 10 to 15 minutes if you're fair and you live close to the equator. If you live further and in a higher latitude or you have darker skin, you're going to need more than that. And the only way to know how much you're going to need is to get tested. I like the levels to be between 60 and 80 in the U S that's our measuring system. It's different elsewhere. And you, I'd also recommend supplementation about 5,000 IU per day with K2. I like vitamin D3 with K2. I recommend 5,000 IU a day for um, most everyone. I haven't seen anyone get levels higher than a hundred, which I don't really like because it could throw off your calcium and stuff. Um, but do be aware that as you get older, you don't absorb it as well from food and you also do not make it as well. So you really need to stay on top of it because vitamin D is really essential for tons and tons of things. So that's typically what I recommend. Now in the morning and the evening, it's really key to get outside. If you could do a walk or do exercise because the positioning of the sun in the sky sets your circadian clock for the entire day and your circadian clock tells all your cells what to do right? From being awake to being in protective mode. So your skin is in protective mode during the day to protect you from environmental toxins. And then darkness at night, your skin is in regenerative and renewal phase. So if you're not having darkness at night, you're not giving your chance, your skin a chance to renew and regenerate. And that's even if your skin is exposed. If you have an eye mask on, and you've got light in your room, but the little piece of your skin is exposed, it's getting light. There's light receptors in your skin, obviously. Yeah, that makes total sense. And uh, I've came full circle. Another thing I came full circle on, like everything we do in the health space, we like lean one way for a while. Then we <laughs> then we do some more research and listen to some more podcasts. I'm like, oh, well, that may- vitamin D is a big one that I, I quit that for a while. And I live in Florida, so I was kind of like, maybe I don't need it. And then now I've been taking this... Um, uh, D.Velop immunity. I don't know if you heard of this. It's um, mm-hmm. basically the liver has to convert the calcifediol into calcitriol, I believe, is I might be butchering that. But basically, the liver has to convert the D3 into the calcifediol. Um, uh, and but the, the but the D.Velop is already converted. And I've started taking that recently and I feel really good. And my buddy, Dr. Tyler Pansner, um, says that people's levels usually get up to about 75 to 80 just on 2,400 IUs of that a day and rather quickly. And he's a big, um, geneticist. So he works with a lot of people with those, you know, genetic SNPs for vitamin D. So, uh, I've been playing around with that and really enjoying it as well for the, um, I know you said zinc oxide as far as just the really, sunscreen. Yeah, go ahead. Really quick, really quick on the conversion is that, yeah, you're right. Some people have a genetic SNP that doesn't allow the conversion. I'd, I'd love to see that supplement. The other thing is, is you're not going to convert if you're deficient in magnesium. And most of us are mm-hmm. deficient in magnesium because of the way we've over, we've over, you know, farmed in our country and our soil is light brown instead of like black, like it should be. You know, if you go to the mountains of Ecuador where there's volcanic, you know, really rich soil, you're going to get a lot more nutrients, which I know you're aware of all this, but nutrients yeah. are essential. All of these micronutrients are essential for all of our metabolic processes. And all we're trying to do in this, in this world is basically to support our body to be its optimal self. 
So knowing what your body wants to do, just get out of its way. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> I, I try to stress the importance of supplementation. It's it's just been it needs to happen more than ever. Not only are the soils depleted, the heavy metals and things that we're holding on to also stress the nervous system. So we're even depleting more because if you have mercury or lead or aluminum in place of where the minerals should be, not only are you mineral deficient there, but they're you're kind of in a constant state of fight or flight, which is going to deplete that magnesium more or your B vitamins more. So we shouldn't have to take handfuls of supplements, but it just kind of is that way because of this unnatural set and setting that we're in i'm looking at blue lights here and the emfs and then the heavy metals and you're eating pesticides and seed oils and it's just a cascade that happens where we end up becoming nutrient deficient and there's just not nutrients in the food we eat because we like to pick the bananas in mexico two weeks before they're ripe and then ship them off to michigan and then you're eating like a banana from mexico and michigan and it's got like no nutrients and it's just like a bunch of sugar and some carbs and tastes good, but it's not really like what we used to eat. So yeah, I definitely think that that's a big thing that I try to stress. That's why some people like when I put them on a mineral balancing protocol, they're like, wow, I have to take like six supplements three times a day. And I'm like, I, I wish it didn't have to be this way, but it really with the heavy metals and with what we're trying to do here, because I also don't really like mega high doses of a lot of things either. I think it's a bit unnatural. So with the HTMA stuff, we like to do smaller doses throughout the day, right? With each meal. It seems more natural to me than just like getting a big dose of vitamin B, like uh, B12 in like a shot or whatever, right? Like small amounts with food would be absorbed better. Just makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I want everyone to look at how they eat differently. So our food is basically going to turn on the genes that we want or turn off the genes, right? That we don't want. And when you look at food, you want to get the most nutritious, the highest nutritional density at the lowest calories. So like last night, I was looking at microgreens, for instance. So maybe I should eat microgreens instead of tortilla chips, right? Because the tortilla chips don't really have any nutrients for me, but the microgreens are really nutritionally dense. So look at your food as like, what is the most nutritionally dense here that I can eat? And yeah, to your point, I think it is more natural to get all of our trace minerals and our micronutrients throughout the day. And with everyone fasting and doing OMAD, it, it, it's becoming a little bit of a challenge, right? So it, it, I think that's, that's a little bit of um, a little challenging to make sure everybody gets that. And then as far as the B vitamins, you have to realize like what is a fat soluble vitamin versus what is a water soluble vitamin. So something like vitamin D, it's fat soluble. So it's stored in your body. So like if you get, uh, you know, plenty of sunshine during the summer, you're not really vitamin D deficient until maybe December or January if you're not, if you're living somewhere like in Finland, right? Whereas with vi vitamin B, you're going through them quickly. You're drinking your coffee, you're having a stressed out day, your, your body's just urinating them out. So you've got to replace them more, more frequently than that. Um, and then I wanted to say something about the vitamin D as far as it being stored and I'm forgetting it, but I'll come back to it when I remember it. <laughs> Yeah, well, some people have the argument like it's a storage hormone, you know, obviously like I have Northern European genetics. I should have just gotten sunlight in the summer and then I would have naturally gotten less in the winter. But I also think that people were just outside more, even when it was cold. Like if I was out 
you know, ancestrally in Northern Europe, I would still have to go hunt my food. I would still have to figure out how to get food when there wasn't a grocery store. So naturally, I think that the people were just outdoors more instead of sitting inside, inside of their house. So yeah, maybe it's a storage hormone, but they were probably getting little doses throughout the day because they were not in cars. They were walking, they were hunting. So I think the storage argument's a little bit flawed too. Totally. Okay. A couple of good points. And I remembered what I wanted to say. So when you're in the car, you are getting exposure to UVA rays. So UVA rays are the deep penetrating A for aging rays. They're the ones that cause the coarse wrinkles on the face, the ones that if you live in high altitude, people have coarser wrinkles there because they're closer to um, the ultraviolet radiation. And the A is the deeper penetrating. UVA rays is what come through clouds and you're still getting the sun damage from the UVA rays, but you're not producing vitamin D. You produce your vitamin D from the UVB rays. So the UVB rays are like the burning rays. The B is for burning. And that's what helps you create the vitamin D. But once you get a sunburn, you're not making any more vitamin D. So my previous statement about getting 10 to 15 minutes on larger surface areas of the body per week, you should not be getting burned or even tan. I'm, I don't have a burn or a tan and I'm in Arizona and I hike and take my, my stuff off and I don't have a burn or tan. So your body, if you're having a polyphenol rich diet, will naturally help protect you from the sun damage that you potentially can get from sun exposure if you're getting too much. So you should be able to get enough sun to make vitamin D without getting a burn, without predisposing you to skin cancer. And I'm convinced that we're seeing higher rates of skin cancer because of this lifestyle you talked about, because of what we're putting in our bodies and how our bodies are reacting to the sun, and also because of a depressed immune system. So as I'm sitting here right now, my body is having mutations, errors of metabolism all the time. So one cell mutates, a cancer is when one cell mutates, it forms an aberrant cell, like a cell that doesn't have a function, and it grows much more rapidly than the rest of the cells and then takes the place of the healthy cells so they can't perform their function. And when you have a healthy immune system, it corrects those errors quicker than they form. So I believe that we, we saw so many skin cancers as our lifestyle started to deteriorate and it's related to sun, but it's not 100% caused by sun. Pardon the interruption. I want to take a quick break to talk about gut health. With all the research coming out over the last decade, we know exactly how important the gut microbiome actually is for our overall health. If you're anything like me, then you have struggled with tons and tons of gut issues. I grew up on a lot of different antibiotics. As I got older, I did a lot of partying, drugs, alcohol, standard American diet, yada, yada, yada. Fast forward, I had chronic mold toxicity in line. After that, I really couldn't get my gut to function properly. I spent tons and tons of money on different kefirs, yogurts, probiotics, different things that really didn't seem to work. That is until I found Just Thrive. It's a 100% spore-based probiotic that arrives 100% alive in your gut for maximum impact. It has a thousand times better survivability versus other leading probiotics. It helps support digestive, immune, and total body health. For me, it really helped to beat bloating, gas, constipation, and diarrhea. And it is even clinically proven to address leaky gut in just 30 days. So what I do is I take two caps with my largest meal and it really helps to improve nutrient absorption as well. 
and they are backed by a 100% money back guarantee. So for if any reason it doesn't work for you, no questions asked, you can get a refund. If you wanna try out Just Thrive Spore-Based Probiotics, go over to Just Thrive Health and use code ITP15 for 15% off at the checkout. If you're anything like me in the health and optimization space, you're not only looking for which supplements may make you feel optimal, but also different technologies. The problem with most technologies on the market is they can really burn a hole in your pocket. If you are looking for the most affordable, but yet yet highly effective technologies that help promote detoxification, better sleep, mitochondria function, immune function, look no further than Therasage. I have their portable infrared sauna and I am willing to put that sauna against any other sauna on the market. It heats up quickly. I get an amazing sweat. I've been in some of these really, really expensive saunas and I prefer my Therasage sauna. The new addition that I have in my home is the Therasage PEMF mat. This is a game changer. A lot of people who are dealing with chronic illness and autoimmune conditions could really benefit for at-home PEMF. When you're trying to do PEMF out at a clinic, it can charge like 30, 60, sometimes $100 per session. Therasage has just dropped the most affordable PEMF mat on the market. You can use it daily. It has a TENS mat. It has red light. It's a heating pad. My wife is absolutely obsessed with this thing. It has just brought more energy, mental clarity, and all around overall well-being. I gave up my morning meditation recently and just started laying on the PEMF mat. It's such a great addition to have that with the sauna. The PEMF will help you to release a lot of the toxins and then you can sweat those out via the sauna and you will just feel rejuvenated. So if you wanna try out any of the Therasage products, you can use the code Kaufman10. I will link to their website in the show notes. They have the most amazing affordable technology biohacks on the planet. Yeah, that makes sense. So when we're talking about diet and lifestyle, um, I know a lot of people in the health community now are talking about the seed oils and the way the sun reacts when you have, you know, the lipid peroxidation and the different, um, obviously, seed oil fats taking place of where you're like your saturated fat should actually be. What's your thoughts around the seed oils and how the have you seen patients who eat a lot of processed foods and fried foods have more skin problems? 100%. 100%. That The answer is yes. That's what I've seen. You know, the argument will be, well, there's no scientific studies on this, you know? Well, because scientific studies are usually done by pharmaceutical companies that have something to sell or something <laughs> to gain. So scientific studies are very, very expensive. I do research studies all the time with companies and people are not going to invest in scientific research without getting something out of it. So, I mean, correlation versus causation, we can't really prove that, but I mean, over since the 1970s, we have a huge amount of plastic in our world that we didn't have, a ridiculous amount of plastic. I think plastic is poison and plastic is an issue. The pesticides are a huge issue. The herbicides are a huge issue. And then the seed oils, you go to the store, every single container that you might buy for a marinade or a dressing is going to have soy or corn or canola or a seed oil. And I really just think that the seed oils are a big issue, in my opinion, based on seeing hundreds of thousands. I've seen hundreds of thousands of patients over the years, and I observe. And I don't know exactly what they're doing, but I do know who has diabetes, who doesn't 
you know, eat healthy, who's, you know, who's a <laughs> vegan. I, I see patterns and I make my opinions based on the patterns that I've seen. And I feel if you eat a whole food diet, a whole food diet with animals that eat what they're supposed to eat, you know, wild animals with that eat trees and bushes and grass, and you have as many colorful fruits and vegetables as possible, preferably vegetables in the winter. We're not really meant to eat fruits in the winter. We're meant to eat fruits in the summer to get us a little fat for the winter. But, you know, we're supposed to cycle all of these things and our body's meant to cycle. There's no one perfect food because you eat one thing and now you're depleted in other things. And whether it's your skin topically or whether it's your diet or whether it's your workouts, you, your bodies are meant to constantly cycle. Going back to your point about hormesis, we can over hormesis. And I see it with biohackers. They don't look healthy sometimes because they're overstressing. So hormesis is just enough stress to make you stronger versus stress. <laughs> so too much is not good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think a lot of the biohackers overdo it in a lot of, a lot of, um, different aspects. Fat over fasting is a big one. You kind of brought that up, but I think people are doing OMAD and never really, you know, getting off of that. And it's like, you, you know, if your stomach, um, gut function was working pretty well and you were eating the right foods, you would still feel good eating breakfast and eating lunch. Like that's where you want to be. I think a lot of those people don't feel so good after food because their gut functions a little bit lower than they think it is. And so they kind of feel better and can be more productive by waiting until the afternoon to eat. And then they kind of slow down for the day. That's just my thoughts around, uh, the biohackers and doing too much for sure. One thing you brought up there, you kind of glossed over it was vegetarianism or veganism. Do you think animal products play a crucial role in, you know, skin health and how our skin looks? Yeah, I think it really depends on your genetics, right? So our genetics and where we came from will play an effect on our diet. So there's no perfect diet. I've played with all of them. I, I was vegan for 10 years. I did not feel good. I think initially a lot of people may feel good being vegan because they're eliminating a lot of the bad stuff. I like animal meat. I feel really good and strong on animal meat. I think the protein with animal meat is very beneficial. And for me, as a woman who's much older than you, like in, as you get older, you really don't want to have muscle wasting. Having sarcopenia and muscle wasting and being frail is very linked to death. So, and as well as aesthetics, you know, like your body shape is formed by muscle, your face shape is formed by bone and your strong muscles send out myokines, which are cytokine signals to your bones to make them stronger. So we want to have strong bones and strong muscles. And I feel like the best way to do that is through animal protein. There are some people that have a gut microbiome that can certainly, they can certainly absorb and, um, anabolize the, uh, the vegetable protein, like the pea protein or hemp protein, or I'm not a huge fan of soy, but one of those proteins into muscle, but very few people do. So what I find with these very restrictive diets is people do really well initially and then over time, they're becoming deficient in carnitine, B12, other things that we need. Uh, low fat, I have a big problem with because our skin, going back to you know the skin physiology, it's a bilipid, our cells are bilipid membrane. So you have fat and then you have water and fat. And if you don't have enough fat in your body, you don't have enough fat in your brain, which your brain is made of a lot of fat, healthy fats. 
and your skin also is as well. And you look really dry and parched and dehydrated because you're not having, you're not able to hold onto water when you don't have healthy fats in your body. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, (laughs) it's funny. You described this. I have this like this funny kind of it's this evolution of in the health world, right? We, we, it's almost all of us got trapped in it. We go, we, we start watching documentaries, we're doing research, and then we're, we're vegetarian. And then, then that's not enough. We're going to go vegan, right? So we're not even going to eat eggs. We're not going to eat cheese. We're going vegan. Then we feel awful. Then we do a bunch of research and we're like, we're going carnivore. So now every, <laughs> all plant foods are bad. Then we're like, okay, maybe we'll eat a few plant foods. We'll do keto. We're like keto carnivore. And then, then maybe we even like, oh, we listened to Ray Pete. And then now like all kyber carbohydrates are good. And then one day you wake up out of this fog and you realize all foods are good and there's just need to be context to it and what your body can handle. And I, now I eat vegetables and fruit and meat. I'm usually kind of balance my blood sugar until dinner and kind of have all my carbs with dinner or make sure it's like post-workout. But it's funny. It's like an evolution. It's like such extreme to extreme with fasting mixed in and all this crazy shit. And then one day you wake up and you're just like, oh, you know what? All foods are probably good as long as we're trying to minimize pesticides. You know, if your body can actually tolerate it, that's where, you know, just listening to yourself. You know, if you eat rice and you feel awful, then don't eat rice, you know, or, you know, trying to pay attention to yourself. But it's funny. It's just the evolution we all get caught up in with the plant-based to the carnivore to the keto to the fasting and then one day you wake up and you're like oh i can just you know be an omnivore and be real normal you know and it's way less stressful and it works (laughs) i think it's so good like you said to be intuitive about it because all of these are options right for for everyone listening all of these you know choices are options and as far as omad goes like i don't feel like i can get enough protein in with omad so I really, I end up doing about two big meals a day and then maybe like a smaller 20 gram protein snack in the middle. And that works for me, right? But I don't recommend that for everyone because different things work for everyone. And then with women, our needs change throughout the cycle. So right before you have your period, you really need to up the carbs because you're basically building an organ in your body. You're building you know, an organ in case there's a baby there and you want to have carbs. If you don't have them, your body's going to get into cortisol response and it's, it's going to defeat everything and it's going to lower your metabolism. So that's where like the cycling really works well, because if you restrict, restrict, or restrict, your body is always going to reach homeostasis and come to you. So you want to just cycle and keep it guessing so that, you know, you can still maintain control and then check in with yourself. Like what feels good? Like I'm super intuitive. When people ask what skincare I recommend, I literally will like just look at my counter and be like, I don't know, my body doesn't need an exfoliator tonight. And I know because I've been testing myself for years and years. And I, I love all of these recommendations, but at the end of the day, what I want people to get out of this is do what feels right for you. Like you have to check in with yourself and look for patterns of what feels right for you over the long term. Not not your tongue and your mouth and your taste buds, but like how does your body feel best? I agree. And you just got to have some due diligence. I think the problem is like, you know, especially like veganism and vegetarianism or carnivore or keto, like those extremes, they get really like tribal. And that so like they've kind of like built their identity around it. And that's like who their community is. And I think they have a challenge with listening to alternate information or maybe swinging out of that. And I think that that is where the downfall is. You got to, you know, have enough, you know, 
trust in yourself and your intuition to say, Hey, I think that maybe this was working for a period of time. You know, if you start going keto, you do usually feel pretty good. Or even when I first went vegetarian and vegan, I felt better. Like you said, from cutting out all the, you know, mm-hmm. candy or just, you know, you can't have desserts cause you're vegan. Like, so it helps. But then over time, you start to realize like, you know, I, my workouts really aren't as good. Like I'm losing some muscle or I'm, you know, I'm feeling a little lethargic. You got to check in with yourself. And so I think the, the, the tribalism is where it really goes wrong because people put their whole identity behind it and they're going to health conferences and they're keto till they're dead. And, you know, and keto works for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like cycle. Think about, I mean, going back to the whole paleo thing, right. When paleo first came out, they're like, well, what did the cavemen do? Right. So, I mean, they, we cycle, we cycle with what was available before we were an agricultural society. So, you know, maybe you increase the carbs certain times a year and you become really omnivorous and maybe you are more keto certain times a year and maybe you are carnivore sometimes a year with a little bit of, you know, honey or microgreens or however you want to do it. But there's different ways to do it. And at the end of the day, the right answer is what makes your body feel best. And I, I don't think it feels best when you're super restrictive. But the real thing is don't reach for the like keto bars and and fake food. We need to have real food. Like no one's going to go wrong if they have real food. Like no one has gotten unhealthy eating a hundred percent real food unless it's covered with pesticides. But for the most part, real food is, is your friend and processed food is your enemy. Yeah. No, I'm not against keto. Like if you really do feel great and you're, you know, I think most people on keto feel great if they are at least having carbs once a week. I think the, the cyclical nature of that helps um, just for liver glycogen, like glycogen and things like that, especially if you're working out or move, doing some movement. But, um, you know, I have a couple of good friends that are just keto forever in the carnivore camp. Like if they, but they look healthy and they look like they feel good. When I did it, you know, I my gut function wasn't as well. I felt like I, you know, had some sleep disturbances and my hormone, you know, didn't feel like my th- thyroid was working that right. And now mm-hmm. I do the carbs with dinner, maybe like 120 or so, like nothing, like I'm not eating 300 and, and spiking my blood sugar all day. But, you know, I'm having some carbs that help with a little bit of hormone function and that liver glycogen. So I just think people need to not be so dogmatic and not think that some diet or some health protocol that someone else is using is ultimately going to work for them just because they're super smart and they can present the information in a way that's very persuasive. We all have different genetics and we're going to respond differently. So the right answer is what works for you. And why not try things? Life is fun that way. Try different things. Yeah. I mean that, that I think people should try things. Like if you've never, if you've only tried one thing, that's what I, my argument with some of the vegetarian and vegan people, it's like, well, you've only tried one thing and you cut out a lot of processed foods, but now you've never added just back in just meat. Like when you used to eat meat, you were probably eating sandwiches or burgers or like not really like eating a paleo style diet. You were just eating meat, however it came. And then you tried to get healthy and you cut out all meat and felt a little bit better, but you've never tried to add in back just back in grass-fed meat from the farm or raw dairy so it's like just try some things and see what happens there and just not get too stuck in a box absolutely you were going to ask earlier about zinc oxide and we got yeah let's get into sunscreens (laughs) because i think um uh, i am you know i love 
you know, people love to follow uh, some, I won't call anyone out, certain health influencers who are like, you should never wear sunscreen and they're outside all day. And I kind of look at them, you look like you're kind of aging. So me personally, I like to get a really clean uh, sunscreen off of, you know, environmental working group. I like um, the tallow-based sunscreen. I don't know if you ever use that from um, Creative Solutions. I've had Eileen on the podcast. She uses the, uh, she uses specifically the suet fat, so the kidney fat from the animal, which has like better, um, fat soluble vitamins in it. And that the lotions she makes are awesome, but she does a zinc oxide suet based, um, sunscreens, a little expensive, but I mean, I feel like I can just sit out in the sun with that on and just get bronze. And, and I'm usually a guy who's like red in like 10 minutes. Cause I have really fair skin and I live in Florida. So yeah, let us know what you think about sunscreens, how often people should wear them. Where's the most important places to wear them. Yes. Yeah, so if you are getting bronze, the sunscreen isn't working. Um, okay. I do, I do like that idea for a sunscreen. I don't know if it's comedogenic, if it's going to cause acne, I'd have to look into that. I'd be interested in learning more for sure. So with sunscreens, it could be really complicated, but I try to keep it as simple as possible. So I, I have never recommended a chemical sunscreen about 20 years ago, sunscreens, were very, very uh, hard to use. You know, they, they were white on the face. They were not comfortable. So the chemical sunscreens came out because they're more cosmetically elegant. They blend in the skin. Your skin doesn't look white and ashy. Now with the, uh, the micronizing, the, the breaking down of the titanium dioxide and the zinc oxide particles, we are able to get a mineral sunscreen, which is inert. It's not absorbed by your body to blend with the skin. That's all I have on my face right now. I just have tinted sunscreen on my face. And basically with the tinted sunscreen, because I mean, with the uh, zinc oxide sunscreen, because it's a physical sunscreen, it's a hundred percent dependent on how thick you apply it. Okay. So it only works as well as you apply it. So typically will this be on YouTube? Can people see the video? Yeah, we can put it up there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So typically when people apply sunscreen, they start in the center of the face and they blend outwards. Now over the last 20 years, where do I see most of the skin cancers? Right in front of the ear and right behind the ear and the neck of men, right? Because they're missing mm -hmm. the outside. So I always have people apply outside to inside with their titanium dioxide and or zinc oxide. Zinc oxide is easier to find sunscreen. So I recommend as you brush your teeth, in the morning, before you leave the house, before you even sit in front of the computer, apply zinc oxide sunscreen, SPF 30 or higher to the face, the neck, the chest, and the back, and then take the leftover and just sweep the back of your hands for that incidental UVA that's coming in through the windows of the car. Now, when it comes to the body, I think that sunscreen gives people a false sense of protection because you're never going to apply it as thickly as you need for the body. And when I lived in Hawaii, obviously, we never used chemical sunscreens there because they killed coral reefs, right? Um, people used rash guards. Everyone that lived in Hawaii wore a rash guard. Every surfer wore a rash guard. And you wear clothing when you go to the beach. So if you're going to be in the sun for a long period of time, clothing is going to work. I'm outside all the time. I live in Arizona. I split time to Park City where the sun's even stronger. And I wear a hat outside, a wide brim hat for my face. But I mean, I'll wear a tank top or a sports bra to get my body exposed for 15 minutes or so during the day. So that is how I find that you're balancing getting your vitamin D and your sunlight, um, especially in your eyes in the morning and your eyes in the evening. 
depending on how strong the sun is. I do wear sunglasses during the day here in Arizona, but like on a day like this is cloudy and I'm not going to be wearing sun sunglasses because I do want to get the eye in the, the light in the receptors of my eyes. So physical clothing and hat is going to be your first line of protection from the sun. And then sunscreen is your backup for reflective rays for um, incidental exposure when you walk your dog or walk to the mailbox. But if you want to not age from UV radiation over the hundred years or so that you're alive, you really need to be wearing a hat and clothing. So that's, that's my recommendation. And I'd imagine if uh, a specific sunscreen, because we didn't really name any like specific ones, if they're using zinc oxide, I would imagine they're mostly going to be a more natural product, right? Like, do are, do you ever see zinc oxide with chemicals or is it to people be aware of that? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, There is zinc oxide with chemicals in it. Like octanoxate mm. is a common one because it makes it more cosmetically elegant. So I try not to be like promote certain brands because I just don't want to come across that way. I want to empower people to try things themselves. Um, but basically you want it to say zinc oxide and then it can say titanium dioxide as a second, but you don't want octanoxate or a- any of the other chemical ones. When my kids were little, they were, we were living in Hawaii at the time and I put a product called Vanacream on them and it basically doesn't have like any dyes or formaldehyde or anything like that. So they would, they would use that. For me, it's very heavy. So for the listeners, you know, if you're prone to acne or, you know, have dry skin, you're going to use different products. One's going to be an oil-free, one's going to be a hydrating. So that's what you want to look for. And as you mentioned EWG, I love EWG. I think they do a beautiful job. And now there's there's an app called, uh, what is it called? Dirty, Think Dirty or something like that, where you can you can scan and, and see where that is as far as like the safety for your skin. So when you're applying it to a small area, I want you to use something that's like highly effective. If you're using a large area, it needs to be completely non-toxic is how I look at it. But I don't really think that sunscreen on the body works. And I definitely spray sunscreen doesn't work. It does, it does nothing. It gives you a false sense of protection. Absolutely. And just exposes you to chemicals you don't need. And then it can hurt your lungs if you breathe it in. So at the very least, do not spray your skin, your kids. Do not spray your kids. Don't let them breathe any of those particles in. Yeah, the, the sprays are crazy. I hate when I'm even at the beach and someone's even like 10 feet from me and using the spray. I can like smell it. I feel like it goes in my eyes. I'm like, dude, like how do you not like whenever I used like I, I've never really used that many spray ones even before I was like super into biohacking or health or whatever because like I would feel like it would like almost like burn my eyes even if they were closed and you would like that smell was like almost like like as potent as like the off like bug spray like it was like dude this is crazy like I don't know if that's good and at least the creams you can't smell like that like I would just feel it in my nervous system when I would do the sprays and I would only use that if like someone else had it and I didn't have anything on me or whatever but yeah environmental working group is great and for anything you know for household products whatever they do a good job on rating the toxins and only picking good brands and then i usually just like type in some of those brands right into amazon so it's like you just or you can go right on their website but i just like look up a sunscreen on there oh this looks good then i'll put it into amazon if i can get it in a couple days and then that's what i did when i went to costa rica and i'm glad you said about the clothes because that's a thing that i've been doing the last like year and a half two years is getting more into like all right if i start to feel like i'm getting burnt i have my hat you know like that's covering everything i have a long sleeve like the wet shirts on it's not like a surfing suit but it's something to cover me up right and 
I never used to do that. I used to just be out there getting cooked. And now I've kind of come full circle on the clothing because they make the clothing where it's still cool and you feel good. You can get in the water, but you can protect the skin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a compound effect like everything else in life. You know, I always think if you have, a, you know, 100 calories more a day at the end of the year, that's like 10 or 15 pounds. If you you're getting a lot of sun exposure every single day over 30, 40 years, it's going to really show on your skin and you're going to have very different skin than it, than if you protected it. The people who have the nicest skin are the ones that burn very easily in my experience. So really fair skin people end up having the best skin because they completely avoid the sun, <laughs> you know, whereas like someone like me who's half Spanish, I mean, I didn't wear sunscreen until I was 30. And when it first came out, I'm like, what's that for? Like, why would I use that? I want to get a tan because I, I had the most beautiful tan when I, when I get a tan, but you have to change your mindset because the tan in the short term. So when you're young, your melanocytes work perfectly. And those melanocytes, your pigment producing cells that allow you to tan, they all evenly produce pigmentation, which then one melanocyte shares pigmentation with about 30 keratinocytes in your skin. So you're getting even, even brown. But as you get older, things aren't as effective. And some of those melanocytes die. Some of them overproduce pigmentation because they don't, they can't seem to find as much homeostasis. And that's why in sun damaged skin, you see mottled pigmentation. You'll see darker brown areas with white areas and darker brown areas with white areas. So as you're walking around today, looking around, you know, the grocery store, wherever you are, start looking at older people's forearms. And you'll see that their skin color is not even. So I often, when I'm in the office, I'll pull up somebody's inner upper arm near their armpit. And I'll say, this is the natural age of your skin. A little loss of elasticity, but a beautiful, even color. And that's how our skin naturally ages. The rest is induced by sun exposure and UV radiation. It's radiation. Yeah, that makes total sense. And you know, I think a lot of people, they just fall into this trap. I did it for a while. Just all the sun, get as much sun as possible because we read about the benefits of sun. But then, you know, there's a law of diminishing return on that for sure. So it's like, get get out there, get some, but protect yourself, especially if you move to it like the equator or something like how you, well, you're half Spanish. So that probably helps a little bit. My wife's the same way. She's half Mexican and she can, you know, obviously probably handle more sun than I can when I'm out there. Um, I, the last couple seconds here, I want to get into, um, any kind of supplements you think people maybe could take? Like I like, um, personally, I think I believe it's like copper, zinc and vitamin C that help create collagen in the body just at like a base, like mineral nutrient level. But what do you think about like collagen supplements or any kind of supplements people are using to produce collagen? Yeah. So it, it also depends on where you live. So we're in Arizona and our water is very high in copper. We used to do copper mining here. So I don't give anyone copper here. In fact, I have to give them a little bit of extra zinc. And sometimes all of my patients need is some zinc to clear their acne because they're so depleted in zinc because, you know, copper and zinc compete, right? So as far as supplements go, um, a good quality fish oil I love because fish oil is just so good for your brain and for your skin and the areas that need the healthy fat and we're not getting enough omega-3 fatty acids. So I like a night, a good EPA DHA supplement. I'm sure you've done deeper dives on, on how that can go wrong. Like supplements are not regulated. So you want to get something that's third party tested and they've, you know, they've 
done research where they've gone over the counter and pulled out supplements that might say vitamin D 5000 IU and the capsules don't contain that. They contain nothing. So there's no regulation. So with supplements, you need to do your research and get something that's third party tested and actually contains what it's advertising to be trained uh, to, to contain. So I love EPA DHA. I like um, astaxanthin. I like polyphenols, magnesium. Just trying to think. There's so many. I'm like a supplement freak. And then, I mean, a good mineral supplement. I also like energy bits. Have you heard of energy bits? Yeah, I had her on the shed, Captain, on the show. I take them every day. I love them. I do too. Yeah, I really love them. I mean, I'm not really big into chewing vegetables, so I I tend to have a lot of microgreens and then I have my spirulina and my chlorella. Yeah. So um, that's, Mm -hmm. I am a fan of those. I like those a lot. I I also like bean minerals. I like, you know, good mineral, fulvic acid, humic acid. I'll do those. Um, But at the very least, magnesium, at the very least, vitamin D3, K2, so that you direct the calcium in the right places. Um, you're more of an expert on this than I am, but like basically from a low level, we, we need to have everything in balance with our phos- phosphate, our phosphorus, our magnesium, our calcium, and our K2 in order to direct the calcium where we want it to go. So calcium will go in areas of damage in the body. So like I had a knee problem and I have a big bony calcification on there and I'm sure I've been vitamin D deficient most of my life. I'm sure until like the last 15 years when I was aware, um, and you know, if you're having a lot of soda, for instance, that has a lot of phosphates in them, you're drawing out the calcium from your body. So there, there's this little dance with all of that. So you, I like the K2 with, with the D3, unless you're on Coumadin or something like that. And you're on a blood thinner that's supposed to supposedly decreasing your K2. So obviously check with your doctor before you do all this. Um, but those are the big ones. I love astaxanthin and I feel like a lot of people don't take that. Krill oil as well. Those are like two of my favorites. I feel like the skin just gets a vibrancy when people do that. Yeah. I told, I mean, I eat uh, like usually like a can of sardines every other day. So I'm, I don't take that much fish oil anymore. I know they can be rancid and things like that. I like Keon. If I recommend, uh, if my clients won't eat the sardines, um, I'll definitely recommend like uh, Ben Greenfield's like the Keon brand. Cause he uses a smaller fish with the less heavy metals, the antizanthin mm-hmm. in there, the road, the rosemary. So it's not rancid, you know? So People use these yeah. fish oils and they're like whatever fish and they can be rancid and oxidized. So fish oil is a weird one for sure. I would only recommend a couple brands, but Keon is my number one, K-I-O-N. And uh, yeah, I think that that helps if you won't eat the sardines or because the seafood's just been destroyed. Like I think that um, fish is such a beautiful food, but we the mercury is just downpouring from the coal power power plants. Like you can see it on hair tests. If someone's eating a lot of tuna or a lot of fish, you'll see the mercury be high. So it's just... You, you know it's there, there, so it's tough. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to eat problem. all kinds of, yeah, I had mercury fillings growing up and I had, a, um, you know, I used to eat tuna, like back when I was in college, I never like bodybuilded in competitions, but I would eat these like bodybuilder style diets and obviously tuna was super cheap when I was in college. It was high in protein, low in calories, and I would just, I would eat like four cans in a day sometimes, you know, because it was so cheap. And I just like, you know, mercury was the first metal that I eliminated when I was doing all my healing. And I'm like, that just makes total, total sense to me. Exactly the same. I was a resident when I was a dermatology resident in San Diego. I had tuna every single day for lunch until I had the awareness, like, and then I checked my mercury levels and they were 15 times elevated. 
And thankfully it was before I got pregnant and had children because it really could have affected the outcome of the pregnancy, you know, but, um, yeah, we've, we've all been on this journey. None of us are perfect. You know, we've experienced a lot of, a lot of mistakes ourselves. And I think that's the reason why we're here trying to educate others, because I certainly don't want anyone making the same mistakes I, I've made in the past. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons for the podcast, because I'm like, you know, you don't want to actually go down the road that I went down. You don't want to get to where you have the Lyme disease and chronic heavy metal exposure because you were just partying and not paying attention and doing drugs instead of actually, you know, trying to figure out what was actually wrong with you. Just trying to alleviate symptoms through cannabis and alcohol and other things. And so I'm like, you know, when your body starts to send you these little warning signs, a little fatigue, a little brain fog, like try to take care of it then because if you get to where I was, it's going to be challenged. It's taken me years to get where back where I'm at now. So it's not good. We're so amazing at accommodating, you know, it's like that analogy with the frog in the water. And as the water boils, you know, the frog kind of accommodates and it gets cooked. Right. And we do the same. Like, I think that's the hardest part is even realizing that something is wrong because that's your normal. And then something else is your new normal. And you don't even realize that there's a problem, why you're moody, why you might not have energy in the morning, why you're not sleeping well, why, you know, there's just so, why your body hurts. Like I, so often I hear people just say like, oh, I'm just getting old. No, no, it's not because you're getting old. Like that is not the answer. Like you have more power than that. So we do accommodate. And a lot of times when our gut is not healthy, our mood and our thoughts and even our you know, impulsive behavior or lack of motivation or our ability to communicate with each other is highly affected. And it's getting to the point where you could recognize that there's even something wrong is sometimes the first step. And then mm-hmm. realizing you have so much power, like we have so much power as to how we can be the creative, conscious creative or creative or, or, or of our lives, you know, like we have so much power in that. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, you work with people. I see people that are on these health journeys where they've completely evolved their lives. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. The, the, where, what we can see emotionally and, you know, the heavy metal wise through doing a really well-designed HTMA is beyond me. And you can really see actually through a lot of the ratios and patterns, not just glandular function, but just literally like you know, a lot of these patterns people are in correlate directly to the emotional and we can kind of, you know, say, okay, this is when you're in this pattern, you're usually, you know, sympathetic dominance or whatever it may be, whatever pattern they're specifically in. And you'll look at the client questionnaire and it'll, I mean, it'll be identical. And then you're having this consult with them and they're like, think you're mind reading. And it's like, no, you're, <laughs> you're stuck in this state and we're going to try to balance you out here and see if we can't get some of the heavy metals out of the way. I think a lot of the talk therapy and different things used to be more effective before it was so toxic. And now I think I really try to focus a lot on the physical, although I've done the psychedelics and I've done the talk therapies and I've done all kinds of crazy things. Nothing really helped me put move the needle until I really focused on the physical. So that's where I've kind of been focusing most of my time, although I will still talk about psychedelics and other things. Yeah, I feel like psychedelics are great to make you realize there's another place you can be. Like you have to be aware that there's other, that there's other states of mind that are magnificent. Right. And then you can choose to be there, but it's more Mm -hmm. helpful to be there when you have a healthy body, especially a healthy gut. So the brain gut skin access, 
they'll often talk about the, the gut brain axis, but it's gut brain skin axis. It's all interconnected. So we've actually seen in studies within the last few years, now we're seeing this, patients with rosacea on their face, redness, pimples in adults, very correlated with the health of the gut. It's not as simple as mm -hmm. getting a probiotic, you know, but fermented foods, having prebiotic fiber, repopulating your gut with a healthy, diverse microbiota is huge in affecting your moods, your, your brain health, your decision-making your reaction, your, your connections, your motivation for every day, as well as the health of your gut. So it really goes back to, I mean, the health of your skin. So it really goes back to your gut, your brain and your skin and everything else. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I know you kind of got a hard cut off on time. So why don't you let everyone know where they can find you, um, work with you, anything like that. And we'll have to circle back around and do another show. Sure. I'd love to. This is a great conversation. Really love talking to you. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Jen Haley, D-R-J-E-N-H-A-L-E-Y, and my podcast, Radiance Revealed. And it's just free information. I'm at a point in my career where I want to give back, share information with people so that they can be empowered to live their best lives. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone go check out our show. It's awesome if you're into skin health. I would listen to quite a few of them before we did the show. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Really, really awesome. enjoyed cool. this conversation. Awesome. Stick around while I close out the show here. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at Integrative Matt. Until next time, my friends.